Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Stand Podcast, Episode 4, with your host, Josh, along with my other two co-hosts, Pat and Mitchell. What it do, uh, baby? What's a lot going on this it? week with, we're going to do a Champions League preview, uh, a European preview going over some big matches across Europe's top five leagues. But we're going to kick things off today with a little U.S. men's national team review. Obviously, we had the international break this past week three World Cup qualifiers in CONCACAF. Uh, and the U.S. kind of started it out a little bit slow. So, Pat, why don't you go ahead and take us away? God, of course you picked me for this. God, of we're course. fucking terrible. We're awful. We're so bad. Like, we did Arsenal fan therapy last episode, and we could do men's national team fan therapy this episode featuring me. But I'm not going to dig into it i'm just i got like three things i like really really want to say and then you guys can talk about whatever you want for this here one weston mckinney dude you're like one of the best players for this team and i'm not saying that weston mckinney would have like been the end all be all and beat canada or beat el salvador for us but like oh it would have been so nice to have him in the in the canada game like ugh. He, he's not world-class. He, he's not a world-class player by any stretch of the imagination, but he's really good. And it, it would just mean that, like, we don't commit five guys forward and leave Tyler Adams to try to break up every counterattack by himself, which is uh, leads me to my next point. Greg Berhalter has no tactics. He is bald and a bad coach, and I hate him. I what hate him, I hate have, him, I hate him. What do you have against baldness? Pep's Nothing. Bald. I love Pep Guardiola. I just hate Greg Berhalter. So that was a compliment? That was a pretty backhanded compliment there. No. Mitch, don't uh, – I'll come down the road. And we'll get in a fist fight. <laughs> I'm really fired up about this. <laughs> Continue. We have no identity. We don't know how to attack. We don't know how to defend. This team is awful. It's we're not good. I don't care that we won four one last night. It, we shouldn't have ever been down to begin with. We shouldn't be drawing with El Salvador and we shouldn't be dropping points at home. And, and that's just like matter of fact, one world-class player is all Canada has one name that anybody knows. And him going off injured was the only reason we didn't lose that game because a left back ripped us apart for 71 minutes. And, and that's just a simple fact. We're not good. We're going to squeak out of this this uh, qualifier. We're going to finish fourth. We're maybe going to win our qualifier, and then we're going to get bounced in the group stages of the World Cup because there are so many teams in the world that are, like, average to good to, to like, all right that the, the U.S. just won't be able to beat. Not a shot. Even if we get out of our group, you put us against a Nigeria in the round of 16, the round of 32, I do not remember if they changed it for this for this World Cup or the next World Cup. But the first round, you put us against a, a Nigeria or a Switzerland, and we're going to lose 4-0. We're terrible. Easily. And that's that's the end of it. That's the end of my rant. Thank you for listening do you think to my we need? Do you think we need another manager before the World Cup? I don't think it makes sense to switch. I think uh, it's uh, Gucci on Weiyu talked about this a little bit. Uh, it's just not our time. I think we let... Greg ride it out until we lose and we try again for the next four-year cycle. I, I just don't see this team doing anything. The talent is there. It's just horribly mismanaged and there's just not, there's no structure. There, And I think, time. I think 
I mean, we have obviously a, a four-year cycle to go through. We have the likes of Weston McKinney playing in Italy. We have Josh Sargent and Pulisic in in the Prem. Josh the Sargent top, is bad. He's uh, top lad. Josh Sargent is bad. Moving on, Patrick. Um, I the point I'm getting to is they're just starting in that top tier, top level play. We have like Gio Reyna out in out in the Bundesliga as well. Like, yeah, and I mean Sergio Dest too. Those are two big losses. Yes. I will say that like having them would have legitimately changed the games. So maybe I'm being reactionary saying, but that's terrible, normal. But that's normal. It's it. I, I think you made a very good point about the Arsenal fan therapy last week. You know, like the U S we've had streaks of greatness, but it's been a very, very frustrating last. What? 20 years, yeah. 16 years. It's been, it's been try this. It hasn't worked. We'll get a couple of good players, maybe playing in the second level of English football or playing out in Germany, whatever it may be. But right now we have five, six players playing top level European football. And they're young. We're talking 18 to 22 years old so give them five years, four years. The next World Cup cycle, they're going to be that much better. And we're going to get a whole separate youth batch. And I think right now with, with the likes of Pulisic playing in the Prem, getting that attention, the game is growing locally. We've seen how much po- more popular soccer is getting in the U.S. I think it's, I think it's a good good thing to watch i think it's a developmental world cup unfortunately it's frustrating when you have these really good pieces but they do need that time to develop so i I, i'll i'm kind of out after the 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 concacaf qualifiers on this team i i think you're right with everything you said but i think four years from now we're gonna have a much better 11 um for sure yeah i I agree with both of you the boat around but yeah, I agree with both of you, too. I think we have a lot of talent right now, but I think it's going to be more of a, a systematic approach in terms of improving U.S. You know, men's soccer, especially the national team, in terms of this is our first like real crop of players. That's a lot of them are playing uh, in Europe's top five leagues, and I think that's going to need to happen for four, eight more years. So new young players that come up, learn from those players that are playing in Europe's top five leagues. Um, and they can learn from those guys who have done it and just get a little bit more depth right now. I still think the U S you know, they don't have what it needs to really compete on the world's biggest stage. I think it'll be fun to watch them in Qatar, but I wouldn't expect anything. Cause like you said, Pat, there's a lot of small to even mid-sized countries that I think would beat us you know, the, the greases and uh, who knows, even the Egypts of the world, I, I could see. Oh my God. Can you imagine Mohamed Salah running at our back five? It'd be bad. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm literally like getting hot flashes and like cold sweats thinking that's, about But that's that. an example of a country that's really, they have a few players, uh, El Ghazi, El Nene, but 
a player like Salah would rip the U.S. apart. And all it needs, all a country needs is really one player. And I think they could dismantle the U.S., which is the problem that we've faced for the past 20 years. So I think we still have a long way to go. And I think it's probably unfair to expect, you know, very much of them in the World Cup. The qualifying super frustrating because I feel like they're not taking it as seriously as they should be. The Weston McKenney thing fired me up. I'm a admittedly pretty casual U.S. men's national team fan. I don't watch every game. I don't get super into it. But when I do watch, you know, I want them to, to do well. And to have them not qualify for 2018, you know the importance of qualifying uh, for this new World Cup. And to go kind of take the piss and just waste the opportunity and, you know, get suspended or uh, sent away for two matches because you broke team protocol. It's honestly just a lack of discipline. It's immature. Uh, I know Weston McKinney is fairly young, but he should know better than that. He plays for Juventus. Uh, He knows what it's like to play on a big stage. There's just no excuses for that. And we, we just need better leadership than that in the dressing room. And this is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still just shuddering at the fact, just thinking about Muhammad Salah running into the channels with John Brooks. Ugh, got the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> we got plenty of time to turn the boat around. So again, maybe these takes are all super reactionary and we'll do fine, but... I'm just not convinced by. I, I think we're gonna get more of the same. We're we're gonna get the the false hope, and I don't want you to like get to a point where you're like, oh shit, we could make a make a run at this thing. Okay, I let's not get ahead of ourselves here. If I didn't right. think we could make a run in 2010, I don't think we can make a run now. <laughs> I, absolutely not. Um, but I think we're making the right steps overall in terms of. Um, players being able to sign contracts for big European clubs and, and get that development outside of the uni- United States soccer system because we all know it's not great. Um, any other last thoughts about men's national team before we move on to some Champions League preview, boys? No, nah, the episode's supposed to be about other things than me complaining about the men's national team. Are you sure you don't have any other grievances? Positivity. Power of positivity. I could use some of that after today. God damn. I haven't been positive about the men's national team ever. I th- I I'm positive for 2026. When we host the World Cup, I think they can make a run maybe to the quarterfinals, semifinals. That's about Ooh. it. I'm not. That's, I'm happy you are, though. 2026 that's crazy that's four years away i watched tim howard make 19 saves and then chris wandalowski miss an open net so i've never been optimistic (laughs) about this team um okay champions league we had the champions league draw last week or was it two weeks it might have been two weeks ago two weeks ago now so we're a little late to talking about it but we had um we have time um champions league is just starting um i think in some aspects it's more the same from the draw um others it's kind of surprising to see where some of the teams shook out especially with the big name signings that we talked about um i I mean do we want to just kind of go group by group here yeah 
Yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time on a couple yeah. of them. I mean, there's a few really interesting groups out there. I think Josh and I were chatting a little bit before we started recording the episode, but I think there's some some fun in there. Um, so group A, Pat, your boys in blue. Yep. You drew PSG, Bruggy, and Leipzig. You say Bruggy. 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 Kluby Brage. Yeah, I think that, I think it's at City PSG Leipzig Club Rouge. Uh, I'm, I actually am going to give maybe a – probably not a hot take, but just a homer take. I think City are winning the group. It's tough. That's a, that's a bold take. I think City are going to win the group. I think it's a three-team race here. Um, Leipzig, I think, have some opportunities to steal points. Uh, Liverpool fans have seen that happen um over the last few years in the champions league so i think they could get in the mix maybe force a draw here or there um but i i do think city and psg are for sure coming out of that group yeah i would agree i i, I don't see leipzig as close to the the top two just because they lost uh marcel sabitzer yes uh Meccano and um the manager what's his name went to Bayern Nagelsmann. Yeah, um, Julian. So they lost components kind of in every part of their team. Uh, that, that's a huge directional change. So I, I don't see Leipzig being as competitive this year in the champions league. I see, you know, city and PSG running away. I do see PSG winning the group. I think I can agree with that. I, I mean, I think just the moves they made in the transfer window, is just, it's going to be a, it's going to be a matchup. Time stamp it. City's winning the lead. City's not. City's winning the group. Time stamp it. It's right here, wherever this (laughs) is in the episode. I've staked my claim. (laughs) Uh, Group B, we've got uh, Liverpool, Milan, Porto, and Atletico Madrid. Um, This Josh. It's it's a tough one. Uh, Liverpool (laughs) never qualify for the knockout rounds easily. So let's make that clear. Liverpool might be the favorites on paper, but you know they they never qualify easily. They always bring it right to the last day, especially against some some tough sides and some tough grounds to travel to. You're, you're talking about the San Siro, uh, the stadium in Porto is class. I mean, we've been there a few times in the past couple of years, and then obviously Atletico, who is who gave us trouble two years ago in the Champions League. So you have three really tough sides. I. I see Atletico being pretty hard to beat, especially with Griezmann back in. Uh, but I do see Liverpool squeaking out with Atletico. I think Milan will be the next closest because Milan do have a pretty strong midfield with uh, Frank Kessie, Sandro Tonali, and Cal uh, Hungalu. But I see them getting third and Porto finishing last. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, I mean... Suarez is at Atletico as well. So he's going to be playing at Anfield again for the other side. Um, That'll be a fun game to watch for sure. Um, I I do think um, Liverpool, all things considered, end up winning the group, Um, especially now that fans are back. We've kind of gotten those shakes out. Um, And, 
by the time Champions League rolls around, it's going to be business as usual for for Jurgen and his boys. Those Champions League jackets, I'm telling you, those white, yellow, the, like the, the Italy, like the Italy jackets. Oh, they're fire! Those are Champions fire. Ignite. Those are going to be beautiful. One thing, a uh, fun fact about this group: Diogo Jota has played for three of the four teams. He only has not played for AC Milan. That's insane. I, th- I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, but that is neat. We can move on to Group C: Ajax, Dortmund, uh, Besiktas, and Sporting. CP. Who do we think is advancing in this one? This is the one that really tripped us up when we were just kind of chatting about it before we started the episode, Josh. I have no idea, honestly. Like, I want to say Dortmund are going to get out of the group, like, because they're Dortmund. But they haven't started their campaign super hot. They look funny. Ajax are, like, no one predicted them to go on that run they went on a couple years ago. They were kind of like the Monaco of that season. And then Besiktas got a couple of all right pieces, like, you know, the inclusion of Pjanic in the side now. And then I don't know anything about the Portuguese league. Like, I mean, I get, I guess like the, the regular pick, the like safe pick is Dortmund Ajax. Right. But like, yeah. I want to say Dortmund Besiktas. I think Dortmund definitely just because Holland loves the champions league and you know, the short few years we've saw him play in it. Uh, I I would tend to go with Ajax too. They were pretty tough when we played them last year in the champions league. Um, I honestly don't know enough about sporting either. I know that uh, Benfica and Porto are the other two big teams in Portugal and uh, sporting has had a little bit of a tough time since uh, Bruno left, but I see Ajax and Dortmund. I'll take the chalk and see them advancing. Um, and I, I mean, I think, I mean, I think Dortmund obviously is, is the easy choice to win the, the, the group here. Um, but I am leading a little bit more toward Besiktas over Ajax. Um, I think having Pjanic come into the side is huge for them. Um, and that's a very, very tough place to play as well. So um, I think I think they're going to have a, a pretty good group stage this year. Um, and again, sporting, I, I just think they lack something. I think they could um, fuck off to fourth in the group. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Really eloquently said, Mitchell. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> group D... We've got uh, Inter, Real Madrid, Shakhtar, and Sheriff Tiraspol Moldo- from Moldova. Correct. Yeah, there we go. I've never heard of them. I believe this might be their first year in the Champions League. I know they're the one everyone wanted to draw uh, coming into this. I, I hate to take chalk kind of consecutively. Uh, these middle groups, I tend to think there are favorites in them. Uh, Real Madrid and Inter are my uh, favorites, obviously. I know Inter lost a lot, but I do think they retained enough to, to squeak by this group with uh, Tiraspol. I think those are probably automatic points. I think Inter could probably split with Madrid, and I think they can probably get enough points off Shakhtar to, to get that second-place spot. I think Shakhtar getting out. I think it's Madrid and Shakhtar. 
I think that's uh, pretty pretty done and dusted there as well. So you siding with with Josh or with me here, Mitchell? Who's getting out? Of I uh, I I was kind of agreeing with you since you spoke. I uh, I think Shakhtar and Real are the two coming out of this one with Real winning the group. Nice for sure. Moving into uh, the gosh. second half, we got Group E. So Barcelona, Bayern, Benfica, and Dynamo Kiev. Oh, this one's an easy one. Dynamo Kiev and Benfica. Are yep. getting out. Yep. 100%. Benfica actually aren't home. a bad side. Benfica are pretty good. They have a very, very well organized defense. Oh, they're uh, great. Yeah. I don't think they're a bad they, side at all. Yeah. Barcelona, Bayern. That's a, that's an easy, easy way to the Champions League. And that uh, was talking Bayern. Stages. And that was talking Bayern. And uh, that's Bayern Munich, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Group F. <laughs> group F. Atalanta. Man United, Villarreal, and the Young Boys. This is another another tricky group. Um, another one that Josh and I chatted a little bit about in the pregame, too. Um, I'm taking Atalanta and Man United out of this group. I think Atalanta are a super, super, super good side. Um, if I'm watching Syria, I will choose to watch Atalanta. And Man United are just very a very, very good side, so... Uh, and I, it's I think Ronaldo it's in the Champions League. Yeah, he did really good in with Juve in the Champions League, right? Yeah, great. <laughs> he did phenomenal. I do like Atalanta's offense as well, Pat. I think uh, Duvon Zapata up top is a really good striker. But I actually have Man United uh, Villarreal. Um, Villarreal was, was pretty good last year winning the Europa League, and I think they have a pretty good squad. Um, Gerard Moreno up top scored a ton of goals last year. Um, and they have you know, our, our former Liverpool lad, Mitch Alberto Moreno on the, oh on my the left. They, get, my favorite meme from them winning the Europa league was him after the game, man, United get out, get out, man, United. I think when they play man United, uh, they actually probably could win. So I think that's why Villarreal gets in over Atalanta. I think they do solely on the shoulders of Alberto Moreno. Yeah, he'll probably get a couple goals, a couple assists. Easily win the golden boot for the tournament. Yep. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Well, uh, okay, I guess I got to talk about it. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm siding with Josh here. I think uh, Villarreal does have the means necessary to scoop up the second uh, second place spot in the group. Uh, group G, we've got Lille, Salzburg, Sevilla, and Wolfsburg. Um, personally, I, I this is a this is a tough group. Yeah, this um, one's wide open. This is this is I think out of every group the most wide open there could be. Um, personally, for me, I'm taking Salzburg and Sevilla. Um, I I just think those two sides have a little bit more over uh, Lille and Wolfsburg and have the ability to, to come out of the group stage here. I fucking hate Sevilla and they're, they're going to go down to the Europa league because they always do. So I'm going to take Salzburg and Lille. I'm going to take Lille and Sevilla. Uh, I think Lille have started their league on campaign a little rough, but they are still the reigning champions of that, of that, you know, supposed one horse race. So I think they're a pretty good side. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Lille. And I think Sevilla are, are a very good team. So I'm taking them with uh, 
Salzburg are going to just narrowly miss out, and they're going to be the Europa League team from that group. I know Ligue a, a farmer's league, but Lille's defense last year was incredible. They allowed very good, way less than a goal a game. Uh, so I expect them to organize pretty well, especially against teams like Salzburg and Sevilla, whose offenses aren't like prolific. I, I could see them getting a few points off of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, we have Group H, which is Chelsea, Juventus, Malmo and Zenit St. Petersburg. I think we all see who's coming out of this group. Uh, definitely Mamo and Zenit. Uh, no questions asked whatsoever. Um, no. I think this is a, a very, very similar situation to what's going on in Group E. Um, I think Chelsea and Juve are the clear two to come out, and I'm going to take Chelsea as my winner of the group, actually. Juve look dookie, though. Yes. So if they don't turn it around, the exit. They do need to turn it around, but I think they have more at their disposal to turn it around. I think they're just finding their footing after the the transition of losing Ronaldo. Um, But we'll see. The good thing about Juve is you can count on their defense. It's their offense and their goal scoring ability that you have to worry about. And with they have a few kind of pairings they can go with up top. I think. You know, this weekend they're looking at starting Moyes Keane and Alvaro Morata. I don't know if they get out of the, the group stage with, with those two starting up top. And obviously you have Dybala and Chiesa too that you can bring in. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I could see Juventus getting bounced, honestly. For uh, that's, uh, that's my spicy take of the group stage. I think it's Chelsea and it's Zenit St. Petersburg. To get out of the yeah. I think Juve are going to finish third. Yep. I think that's a fair take, honestly. That's a very fair take. Not convinced by him this year at all. All right. So that was the Champions League. Uh, feel free to tell us all that we're very, very wrong on social media. Um, I'll yes. take all the tweets. Send me all the smoke. Um, but just know that if I know you personally and I know where you live, I'm going to come fist fight you over these opinions. <laughs> is uh, Mignolet is going to win the, the gloves for the tournament? I can see it. All right, uh, so let's hop into the European preview here. We got a game that I can talk about here um, to kind of kick things off. We got uh, the Battle of the Cities, Leicester City and Man City this weekend. Um, City are going to get dog-dicked. Which city? We have, we have to start Scott Carson, and Jamie Vardy loves scoring on us. Uh, it's going to be 4-2 to Leicester. We're going to get shit on. I don't care how good our defense is. Scott Carson is 95 years for, old. We're for those who don't know, Pat, do you want to explain why Scott Carson has to start? Yeah, so basically the Brazil and Argentina game got called off over the weekend because the Brazilian FA like failed to get some players to quarantine. So now like a ton of the players uh, involved in those two games are not allowed to play for their clubs. Uh, and one of those players is Ederson, the number one for city and Zach Steffen city's number two has COVID. So we're going to be starting a 90 year old in goal this weekend or Kyle Walker, probably the 90 year old. I would rather have Kyle Walker in that. Honestly, he's never conceded a goal. He's actually my he's point, like three case, saves in point. Too. case in point, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be Scott Carson. Uh, no Gabriel Jesus either, which is honestly a huge blow. He started the season really, really well. So uh, yeah, four, two to Lester. Uh, if you're doing fantasy out there, uh, I traded in Jamie Vardy this weekend and I'm going to captain him. So 
probably a smart so move. He's could you get me some points? I imagine Ferran Torres is going to start up top then. Yeah, I've actually been really, you know, uh, so I, I guess the last thing I'll touch on before we leave here, um, you know who scored uh, 10 goals in their first 20 caps for Spain? Ferran Torres. You know who else scored 10 goals in their first 20 caps for Spain? Fernando Torres. David Villa. Ooh. City have a player on their hands. Mark my words, gentlemen. City have a player on their hands. He's an interesting one. Your new front man. I love him. So Liverpool leads is kind of facing the same issue. Both teams actually have Brazilian. So Rafinha for leads. Liverpool, obviously, with Firmino, Fabinho. Liverpool taking the biggest hit out of any any club in the Prem. Yeah, it's the spine of our team, which is really tough. Obviously, you can kind of put Jota in to mend the front three, but uh, Fabinho is a, a massive lot. Whenever we don't play with Fabinho, it scares the living fuck out of me. Uh, and Allison, you'll probably see Queef Kelleher uh, come in. He, he seems to be like the number two over Adrian uh, nowadays. I'm fairly confident in him. I still think Liverpool will probably shit pump Leeds just because of the way Leeds play. I uh, Yeah, I, I think we're going to see some changes to the squad actually for the first time um, with kind of those three key players not being able to play. Um, I think Jota definitely gets the start um, up top, but um, I think we're going to see Kanate for the first time. Um, I think this is a great game for him to get minutes in. Um, And I also think uh, if Harvey Elliott is available, I think we're going to see him um, actually be a key piece in our squad this weekend. Um, I'm not going to lie. If he isn't available, I could see Klopp slotting Milner into the six. Milner could be in the six. And then, I mean, do we give Hendo a break and let, because, because he's coming off of a, a, what is it? A thigh injury. Yeah. he. So yeah. And he didn't play for England. I don't think and he, did, he didn't play for England at all. I think he got like maybe three minutes at the end of the, yeah. end of the last game they played there. But um, no, I think Hendo could, could end up taking a break. We see Ox maybe come into the side. Um, I think we see some, some changes mostly in the midfield, just around Fabinho. I do think we see Milner make an appearance against Leeds. I think that makes sense. Um, and, Pretty cool uh, for James Milner too. I just, you know, want to shout that out, shout out that, that, He's going to be returning to Ellen Road for the first time with fans. Uh, yeah. So I think that'd be really cool for him to get a cap. Absolutely. Um, and maybe maybe we see a Minamino sub. Who knows? I think Klopp might get weird with it um, when his he's kind of handcuffed with who he has at his disposal. So yeah. um, I, I think it's good that it's at this time after a frustrating match like last week. Am I frustrated that we don't get to see those guys? Would I love to come out and beat the brakes off of leads absolutely but i think it gives us some time to reset see what other options we have prove that we have that depth and and move forward with three points this weekend um moving outside of the premier league um leipzig and bayern this weekend yeah, so I had wrote this one down. This seems to be Bayern's uh, first big test. We obviously already talked about, you know, everything Leipzig has lost, which is pretty uh, – it's a good amount. But it's Bayern's first test, and, you know, it's where they generally slip up. 
and they finished, I think Leipzig was 13 points behind them. Uh, last year, it was a little bit further of a gap than years prior. Do we see Bayern slipping up at all, or is this an easy win for them? I don't know about easy win, but I also don't see them slipping up 2-0 to Bayern. Fair. I think Alfonso Davies is probably out for this match as well. So uh, That's a little bit of a loss. That is a little bit of a loss, but yeah, I just don't st- – I don't know, man. It's just tough to ever go against Bayern in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing I can I can see here uh, is the storyline. Like all the other Leipzig players just being pretty fired up because their three best player or two best players and their manager, excuse me, um, all just kind of like jumped ship to the best club. So I feel like the rest of the team kind of has something to prove. So. Maybe there'll be something there, but I just think Bayern has way too much quality all over the pitch yeah. to lose this game. That's fair. The next game uh, we had downs, Napoli and Juventus. I actually wrote about this game today. Uh, I want to talk about it for a little bit because it probably would be my around the world game if it wasn't in you know one of the top five leagues. This is probably one of the more underrated rivalries in all of European soccer because it epitomizes the rivalry between North and South Italy which is a huge socioeconomic divide. Uh, They basically hate each other. For the past five years, away fans haven't been allowed at any games. Uh, The Gonzalo Higuain transfer from Napoli to Juventus was a huge deal. Ton of burning jerseys. That was just, you know, a handful of years ago. And there was also an incident like three years ago where Juventus fans were chanting uh, Vesuvius, burn them with lava. So it's a hugely contested rivalry. (laughs) It's going to be a good match, actually, because Juventus desperately need a win. Like I said, it'll probably be Keane um, and Murata up top, but Napoli have some really exciting players, too. So this is kind of one to look out for. Do you guys have any thoughts on this one? I think it'll be Uh, fun. I think it'll be a good tune in. Yeah, Yeah. Victor Osiman, who got a red card in his first game, uh, is back. The Nigerian forward. Oh, Osiman? Yeah, he is dirty. He's yeah, a really, he's really good. good player. I'm excited to watch him because, you know, his debut for Napoli got cut short. So going against Juventus, seeing how he does against a big club, it's definitely a game I'm tuning into. Um, um, staying in Italy, we've got uh, AC Milan and Lazio. Um, two unbeaten sides. Um, what do you think, Josh? Uh, this is another one I think. You know, Serie A has a, a ton of pretty good teams this year, actually. I think Serie A is creeping up as like one of the more competitive leagues in Europe, uh, especially as Juventus kind of come down from their perch and uh, other teams start perking their head up. AC Milan, ton of good signings, ton of good young players. I know they lost Donnarumma, but they still have a ton of talent all around the pitch. Lazio, look class, uh, Milinkovic, Savic, uh, Ciro Immobile is back on form, scoring a mm-hmm. ton of goals. So I think this one's going to be a goal fest. Uh, I think AC Milan will win in the end. Mm-hmm. I uh, I agree with you on the outcome of the game. Um, probably like three one three two. Yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be fun. I guess fun Drew is a huge addition for uh, AC Milan too. Forgot to mention him. Yes. Um, any other thoughts on the European preview for the weekend? I don't think so. It's, it should be a pretty good week, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be some fun ones too. Uh, I'm going to be watching Leverkusen Dortmund. Uh, it's the 9:30 a.m. EST game on Saturday in the Bundesliga. Um, see if Dortmund can turn it around. Maybe not. 
Uh, Leverkusen are always kind of a good side, so I'm just, I'm just going to be watching that game because I want to. Um, that sounds like another fun one. The Bundesliga yeah, has got some good matchups this weekend. A couple of decent ones in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. you guys want to go around the world? What do you guys got here? I see yeah. one that I really like from you, Josh. In the yeah, in, the, in this here. How about you start? So we've neglected to kind of you know mention any of these games, and you know honestly, as a fan, I've neglected watching them, and that's something I want to change this year. I want to get more into to women's club soccer because there's a few really good leagues and you know, the women's super league uh, in England has a huge match this weekend, man city versus Tottenham, two of the best women's sides in England, man city is just loaded with talent. So, oh, Lord, dude, they're so I, good. I got to talk about it, uh, you know, a couple months ago, I believe um, in the Olympics for the women, I, I wrote an article about Ellen white. She's just a prolific goal scorer. And, you know, Steph Hewton and Lucy Bronze behind her in defense. Are She's also sick. Steph Hewton is sick. Two dude. class players. And it's something that, you know, it needs to be pointed out more because it's really exciting when you get these two huge sides in England uh, coming out and doing it just as good as the men. So, you know, go out, watch that game. Uh, I think it's on ESPN Plus, I believe. Probably. So, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Go out and support it. You know, Pat, you can talk about the, the Man City women uh, and your experience watching them if you want to. Oh, I, I mean, I've only watched them like here and there, like bits and pieces, but I know the club is very, very good. Um, and they opened up their season piping Everton's women 4-0. Uh, they're a solid, solid side. Uh, I think they're fun. I'm, I'm in the same boat as Josh. I'm going to try to watch more women's soccer this year, and I'm going to start – with this game this weekend let's go I, uh, mitch I also, how about you yeah i uh i'm taking my talents to league Un. um i couldn't agree with you guys more on kind of supporting the the women's clubs um more i i think i need to do that more as well uh but i'm moving to league Un uh for my around the world game this week uh, i'm picking the monaco marseille game uh marseille however you want to say um i think <laughs> you. there's there's uh <laughs> the uh, the league on table is pretty tight right now there's only three points separating the two monaco finished third last year um and they've uh, come out with a, a win and a draw uh to start their campaign a win a draw losses. and a loss yeah two losses therefore we're week four in now there um, and two losses, uh, and um, Marseille uh, has started with seven points to open up the season. Uh, I think both sides have really, really good talent, and I think it's going to be interesting to see um, what Monica, Monaco can do to capitalize on three points, especially with uh, Marseille um, missing Alvaro Gonzalez and Dimitri Payet this weekend uh, from last week's or two weeks now. Um, shit show uh, against uh, what was it Nice um, mm-hmm. so I, I think it'll be a really interesting game um, I think Monaco have every ability to go out and capitalize and, and get three points here uh, but I do ultimately think it'll end in, in probably a 2-2 draw um, I think they're two very good sides um, kind of fight, fighting it out in the top third of the table um, and uh, I think Marseille definitely is in kind of that like a rough spot 
because it was a really, really, really tough thing that happened a couple of weeks ago. Pat went into it into it was just, dope. into it was not tough. It was dope. It was tough. It was, that was dope. That was tough. That was sick. <laughs> but um, no, I think I think this will be a really fun game to watch. I'm probably way off the fucking boat on this, but Thierry Henry isn't still their manager, is he? Of Marseille? No, Monaco. I don't. Uh, think I don't so. believe so. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a hundred percent. I can't sure remember. He definitely was like at one time. Yeah, yeah, it was. Definitely a little while back. Uh, no, he's not. Yeah, he might have left it. He might have done the, the COVID year uh, and then left. Nico Kovac. Sure. What? Nico Kovac. Don't know. It's Monaco's manager. Or, oh, there yep. you go. We've done Fact it. Fact check, Mitch. I have Fact check. In the three, three things to say before jumping into my around the world for the week. One do you guys remember how sick Monaco used to be? You guys remember that team? Yeah, Fabinho, Mbappe, Wendy, Fabinho, Glick was unbelievable. Bernardo Silva, Bernardo Silva, Sidibe was dirty for them. Dude, that Monaco team was so cool. I loved that side. Um, that's number one. Number two, Mitch, I hate that you just switched your pronunciation of Marseille halfway through talking about that game. Yeah, you should get hair dryer of the week just for that. I should. my hair dryer. I don't have – I kind of have a hair dryer. I talked about it a little bit earlier in the episode, but I'm going to yell at him again at the end of the episode. But you're my hair dryer too. And number three is – I don't remember what my third thing I was going to say is, so we can just jump right into my around the world. Um, We're going back to America. Because the New England Revolution are playing New York City FC at a top, it's a top of the table clash in the Eastern Conference. And the Revs are the best team in America this year. Supporting local has never felt better than it is right now. I've watched us lose too many MLS Cup finals to not be riding this high of having such a good team they are so good and new york city play good ball too so that's gonna be a really really good game this weekend so i'm excited for that one um i don't see anybody in the east catching the revs i think they're just a little bit too far ahead to lose that number one spot right now but uh four to two are only separated by four points and nycfc have a game in hand so it's a big big game for them for you know playoff placements so is the main stand going to a game? We should. We should go to the final, Mitch. If, if the Reds if, go all the way, the main stand will be at Gillette Stadium. I wish we could mesh Minnesota United and New England Revolution into one club. Like the, the stadium, club culture, and ev- like fan environment of Minnesota the United. Their just give them all with, the with the talent of New England Revolution and just make one team. That'd be sick. Let's make it happen, Josh. I'll talk to some people. You talk to some people. We'll figure like, it out. I like it sucks being a Revs fan because I don't think the fan base gets the appreciation it deserves sitting in Gillette Stadium. Like it's cold as hell, bro. It's pretty awesome. It's cold as hell in that stadium. I it's not that it's cold, it's well, it that is. it's too, way too fucking big. Way too big. Like it feels like a ghost town 
when you're at a Revs game and you're yelling your lungs out. We've sat in the in the fort how many times? At least ten. And it is loud, but you just look throughout the rest of the stadium and it's desolate. And yeah, it just takes cool. so yeah. much. It takes so much away from the experience of being at a soccer game, like sitting in a stadium, waving your scarves around, singing songs, banging drums, shooting muskets. Dude, that is sick. That when we score, there's dudes dressed as ye old Englishmen that fire off blanks from muskets. Like, I wish it was God, just I a love the New England smaller. I wish it so was just, cool. It is awesome, and I just wish it was able to live up to its potential because, like the New, I feel like the New England Revolution as a whole, in terms of an MLS franchise, don't also get the respect they deserve because they've gotten so close so many times and haven't been able to capitalize. I don't and, know, man. When you lose five MLS Cup finals in a row, you're kind it of it hurts. It I think, hurts. you know, Boston has such potential to be a great soccer city in America too, to just like not have the respect for what the club should be in terms of like the stadium they deserve. It just they, yeah, suffer. they won't get the respect they deserve until they get a real stadium. Yeah, and ha- having sure. been to the Allianz and St. Paul so many times, it's electric, dude. When you have a stadium of 15,000 people and it's full and everyone's singing, it's amazing. It do- you don't need a 60,000 know, seat arena for soccer in America. And once they get that stadium all to themselves, I think you guys are going to blow the lid off the place. It's going to be so Absolutely. It's going to be so, so cool. fucking loud. All Bring right. your earplugs. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. So uh, we've gone around the world with everybody. We've looked at what's going on in Europe. We've looked at the Champions League. And I got to complain about the men's national team. Uh, let's hop in to the final segment of the week. We're back with top lads and we're back with hair dryers. Uh, Mitchell. Yes, Why don't sir. you kick us off with your top lad and your hair dryer of the week? My top lad uh, is Timo Werner. Uh, I think he had a phenomenal national uh, break here. Uh, three goals and an assist. Uh, played a pivotal role in the German side. Um, I, I know Memphis also went off, and I'll let Josh talk about him. But Timo, I think, really just kind of carried on what he's been doing in the premier league. He's, he's had a pretty solid start to the year. Uh, and I think that just helps increase his confidence um, coming back to the premier league uh, this week. I think it's, it's a really good thing for Chelsea to have him um, stay consistent. And um, I think, I think that's huge for them. Um, my hairdryer of the week, the Brazilian FA, we talked about what they've done. I think it's absolute donk shit like to hold these guys back to mishandle the situation as much as they did. It's just incredibly frustrating because not only are they not playing, it's they're, they're getting what three weeks off now. Yeah. That takes the wind out of these guys' sails so much. And it, I think the, Bra- the Brazilians in the Premier League have such a big impact in their respective sides. Um, obviously, Liverpool fans are, are hurting this weekend. I don't think it's as crucial as a game of a game. Um, 
to the likes of Man City against Leicester, but it's just it's a extremely fucking frustrating to have your your players home football association mishandle the situation to this degree and it just it like taking another three weeks to a month off of soccer it's just it's to to back up your point too garbage the brazilian fa is currently run by rogerio caboclo who was suspended this summer for sexual harassment allegations and they used to be run by jose maria marin who was arrested on money laundering corruption and extortion so great I think guys. These guys they're really good guys off. Put him in the fucking dumpster and light it on fire, please. Yeah, and give me back Ederson and Gabriel Jesus, please. I'm yeah. There. So going back to a positive note, my top last uh, for the week is Memphis. I actually have two. My serious one is Memphis Depay. Uh, seven goals already for club and country, and I think five games, five appearances. Uh, somehow, I think we all forget that he's only 27 years old because he's been around for so goddamn long. Memphis has always been my guy. Even after he left Man United, he's a player I always wished Liverpool to sign. Uh, Never got him, but I think he's a world-class player that doesn't get the respect he deserves a lot of times, and I think he's going to make a big name for himself at Barcelona. Any thoughts, guys? I've always rated Memphis, and I also always love to see players that don't do super well for man United turn their careers around elsewhere and yes. then play well. And that's just a strictly spiteful thing. Yeah. And my unserious top lad is the kids. I saw playing soccer in the park yesterday. Uh, one kid dribbled past. I was at a stoplight for reference. One kid dribbled past everybody and waited on the goal line until everyone caught up with him just to slide the ball in. And then uh, the kid on the defending team took the ball and punted it into a bunch of houses. It was just a, a good moment. Soccer kid's in America. Hero. We love the banter with little kids in soccer in America. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, hairdryer for this week is the entire country of Guinea. Uh, Nabi Kaito went to play, uh, obviously, in the international break. And there was a, a coup on Guinea's government Yo, militia that was tried to take insane. over. Insane. Liverpool had to charter a flight for Nabi Kaita and other players of Guinea to get back to Europe. Uh, pretty scary stuff. We're joking about it, but it is pretty scary that they could have legitimately been prisoners of war. Yeah, yes. Like I absurd. when I read that, I didn't believe it. I was like, no. Like I the the first I saw of it was like a tweet that said like Nabi Deco is the like on the plane. The bird is secured or something like that. It's like they made it sound like a like a Mission Impossible like extraction. Like it was it was kind of funny, but like the severity of the situation is a government was overthrown, and a soccer player almost became a POW. My my like, dad sent me a meme on Wednesday. Wednesday. Almost did. It's absurd. Like, My dad sent me a meme of uh, Saving Private Ryan, but it said Saving Private Nabby, and Jurgen Klopp's face was on Tom, <laughs> uh, Tom Hanks. Oh man, that's that that's such a fuck situation. I I hope uh, I hope everything turns out for the better. I don't know much about Guinea coups. Or... For for reference on the graphic, uh, this isn't towards the entire country of Guinea. I don't want to get canceled. 
just to the bad people, the militia. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, not well informed in the pol- uh, the political lands- landscape of the country of Guinea. Yeah, this uh, is a soccer podcast. This, we're not like really real experts on the geopolitical landscapes of other countries. Let's just throw Jesus. that out there. I've got no idea what's. I barely know what's going on in America. <laughs> it ain't great. Let me tell you, this is a hot one today, guys. We're I'm having a great time. <laughs> yes, is it um, Thursday or Monday? <laughs> I don't even know, dude. It's been a whole, it's just, it's been the longest, like three to five days of my life. Pat. Uh, so funny story before we kind of wrap things up. Uh, Pat left his window down on the passenger side of my car last night. And I never put the passenger window down. So I only put the driver's side window up when I pulled into my driveway. I woke up to a puddle That's on a my floor look. Uh, I need a new airbag in my car. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And <laughs> it's not your fault. I'm just <laughs> but it is my fault. Hella unattentive. I should have seen that coming from a mile away. Oh man. You could have used your hair dryer of the week to dry that up. I wish oh. I, I might have needed to use it for the cup of coffee I spilt on my keyboard the first thing I did when I walked into work today. So oh. hell of a day, hell of a day, boys. We're, all, uh, we're doing awesome. The man. boys are all over the place. We're at six. Boys are sevens. buzzing. Boys are buzzing. Boys are buzzing. Pat, send us home, please. If you've made it this far in the podcast, you deserve a kiss. Does Pat have a hot take? Hot? Are you doing that, Pat? Do I have a hot take? I mean, I do have a hot take. I just don't, don't actually know if it's a hot take. It's, it's I'm, I'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say just it say it. come out with it then how about we close the episode on my hot take and we open with your opinions on my hot take to next that's a week. good one cliffhanger i like it all right so three two one psg are not winning the champions league this year okay that was the main stand episode four episode four yeah technically technically episode four it's the fifth episode you guys can blame me for that one i wanted to do an episode zero okay uh there ain't no business like show business am i right pat (laughs) um yeah so thank you very much for making it this far in the podcast we're gonna just ignore what pat said until next week um if you made it this far please give it a like Share it with your friends that like soccer. Show or your friends that don't like soccer. Or your I'm, friends that don't I'm like pretty soccer. pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Subscribe to the thing. Follow the Instagram at the main stand. Yep. Yep. Do the yep. thing. Do all, all the socials. Stuff. Yeah. Interact um, with us on social. Uh, yeah, we're, we, we're, we're pretty responsive. Content. Josh might argue with you. That's Josh true. will. I know. Cameron, maybe my definitely. personal account or maybe the main stand account. You never know. Yeah, Josh uses the main stand like Kevin Durant uses all or, of his Or or his burner. Yeah, Josh Josh might have a burner out in the ether. It's so my watch sneak diss IG. He uh he likes to diss himself so he gets sympathy. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Uh we were talking soccer. I'm Mitch. We got Pat and we got Josh. This is the main stand. We'll see Thanks you next week. Thanks for tuning week. in everybody.